Welcome to Way of the Master. This uh, It says eight-week training course. It may take a little bit longer. We'll have to see. But hopefully, how many uh, weren't here last week? I guess would be the easiest question. We weren't here. You weren't here, but you got it online. Yeah. Did did uh, the people that didn't, did you get it online? Did you see last week? That's okay, because we're going to look at uh, chapter one, lesson one again. So... Um, we're going to go through this, and we're going to go through it together. And last week, um, just a quick uh, briefing on what we talked about. We talked about how God wants to change our heart, and he's called every one of us to salvation, right? And he calls us to salvation so that we can go, so that he can send us and call others to him. Right, it's just a reproduction process. So there's no other thing in within our salvation that is more important than us sharing our faith. 
But in that, that's a very scary thing to all of us, right? We have to overcome our fear. So just like they said, we learn to overcome our fear. We learn to bypass the intellect of people, not get into arguments or anything. Because God, like we said last week, in John 1, 9, it says that Jesus is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He's the light. What does that mean? He's the light of the knowledge of, of the law. God's standard, God, that's, and our conscience, okay, he's the light, and our conscience bears witness to that, right? Our conscience down in our heart, right? So most of our conscience is unconscious. Does that make sense? Most of our conscience is pushed down below the surface. It's unconscious. So I want to show you something. We talked about it last week, but I think it bears note to look at in in Romans in Romans uh, two fifteen. If uh, somebody wants to. If you want to turn to that, I think I'm going to read him just for time's sake. Uh, Romans 2, 14 and 15. Okay, let me pray while you're turning there. Okay, I want to open up because that's the first thing we talked about last week. The different things that we're going through. And of course, in salvation, the most important part is prayer. We start with prayer and we end with prayer because uh, salvations don't occur unless God sets up those divine appointments. He's prepared us, we call it prepared servants, to go out and share the gospel. And you see that he prepared prepares the hearts of those who receive salvation. And we talked about it like it's kind of like an out-of-body experience because God's orchestrating everything. And he's already placed that light, like like John 1, 9 says, within every man, within every woman, right? It's in there. You just have to bring it to the surface. So let's let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you so much um, that we can just be a part of what you're doing so so that we can share the gospel, Lord, so that we can see others uh, come to the knowledge of the truth. And we thank you that you saved us to be used of you, Lord. And we just ask that, like we talked about last week, um, that if we will delight ourselves also in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. And Lord, we know that you have to change our heart in many ways. So help us to overcome the fears that we need to overcome. Infuse courage into us, Lord. But most of all, right now, teach us how to, how to pray for the lost, how to prepare for witnessing and sharing the gospel. Prepare our hearts to be changed, Lord, and help us most of all to expect a miracle from this. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so in Romans 2.15, we were talking about Jesus is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And if you think of that, it's the light of the knowledge of the truth that we have. And um, every man has this light in him. It's, a, it's God's law. It's it's a moral code, if you will. You know, everybody knows right from wrong, basically, right? Yeah, right. Think about a murderer, uh, people that murder. You know, that, you think of that as a big commandment not to break, right? People aren't born murderers, are they? No. They're born and they're taught and they're conditioned to sin more and more and the sins get worse and worse and it leads to more and more outbursts of anger and more and more. You grow into that, right? Because of our sin nature. Okay, just like that, like a dog. A dog is not born mean. But they're generally taught to be mean by either, you know, somebody teaches them to be aggressive 
Yeah. Or um, I don't know if right. I'm the point or not. Yes. Yeah. That, that's good. I mean, even animals yeah, are that way. You know, generally they're born and then right. they're taught what way that they should be. Right. Right. But animals don't have the light. No. No. You know. No. I just meant about being. They don't have a conscience. Being evil or right. Right. But but that is that's a part of our world with the sin, yeah. the sin that's in the world and our sin nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it's a gradual growth process that we learn to do. But on the opposite end of that is my point is that the law is placed within each and every one of us. So we have a moral code within us, right? And so our conscience bears witness to that, as we see in Romans 2, 14 and 15, talking about the light of the law. It says in Romans 2, 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, Right? You know, the Gentiles, who are the Gentiles? Yeah, non Jews. <laughs> Speaking of the lost world, too, right? When they don't have the law, he said, they do by nature the things contained in the law. How do they do that? These having not the law are a law unto themselves, right? See, they they do the things that their conscience dictates, at least for a while, and they're taught, and they're cultivated. But us as Christians, we take the light, and we do what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. But in verse 15, it says, which show the work of the law, it's written in their hearts, right? Their conscience also bearing witness. Now that conscience we talked about last week is that in between where God can speak to us, where he can bring up the law in that moral code, and that's how we judge and base our decisions, right? So the conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile, right, their thoughts, how they think, meanwhile, either accusing or excusing one another. Your thoughts and that moral code, that law that God has written in our hearts will either accuse or excuse us. Our conscience is where we judge, right? And that's the cool thing about the way of the master is that it bypasses the intellect and takes the fight out of it, the argument out of it, and goes directly to the conscience. Did you see that lady, uh, Amanda, I think her name was? Did you see the light bulbs come on when that lady was talking to her? She said, she used the law, right? Have you ever lied? And she was like, uh, oh, the light bulb came on. Well, she she was a little embarrassed, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, I guess I have." Well, what what would that make you? And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> I guess a liar." You know, you see, the light came on in her, and she began to see that because I mean, we naturally, as people with our sin with our sin nature, we don't want to be a bad person or see that we violate the law, right? But our conscience is what we need to, and that's what the way of the master does. It goes directly towards the conscience, to the conscience, and uses the law. I think it's awesome. You know, I mean, we have to learn some things, and that's what we're going to spend the next eight weeks doing. But man, I know, I know Steve's used it. Has anybody else used it in here? The way of the master? Well, I know that when my conscience is bad, it makes me real sick to my stomach when I know I've done Right, right. When I was uh, doing the gambling and all that. Right. You know, even I, I would go and do it, and then I would feel I knew it was wrong. Yes. And when I was lying, writing bad checks and stuff. That's your conscience. I knew it was my conscience bothering right. me, God talking to me, saying, Rosie, you know better than this. Right. It's like you're doing it. You're you're accusing or or you're excusing yeah, yourself. I would, I would try to excuse it. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But but your conscience was accusing. Your thoughts were excusing, but your conscience was accusing yeah. you. And you get sick. Yeah. See, it's subconscious, but it starts coming out. You know, you can get. Yeah. And it was bothering me very bad. I knew I was doing the wrong things. Right. And that was what was really pushing on me. God was trying to tell me. 
you're going to have to make some choices here. You know you're making the wrong choices. Right, right. So we need to make the right choices. Right. And believe me, it wasn't easy Right. to walk away from that. And believe me, even to this, this day, every now and then I'll be like, oh, I could go right. down there and win right. $20 million. Right. My right. conscience doesn't. Yeah, the conscience is the thing that leads us to the Lord because it's in there. And that's the thing about the way of the master. We just witness. We get witness to the law that's written in their heart. And so they have to make a choice like Amanda did. You know, oh, okay, I guess it accuses me. I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a thief, you know. And so it accuses all of us. That's the thing. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Yes. Or fall short of the glory of God. So, I, um, I guess I wanted to ask if anybody, I know Steve, you shared with me, would you like to share um, about the salvation experience this week? Yeah. A little bit about it? Sure, I can just do that real quick. Uh, yeah, so we had a couple that are homeless and they called the church this week and uh, Brian's out of town, and uh, they're not drug addicted. But uh, anyway, they gave my my son gave them my number, and they they called me, and uh, they were just kind of asking for prayer. That's really what they asked for, and they weren't asking for money or even you know. Usually, I'm thinking I'm ready. Okay, they're going to ask for a motel or something, but they just asking for prayer. And it was my first day back at work, and it was so hectic at work, but uh, I just had a moment of time there. I said, well, yeah, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And it just kind of led into this way of the master. And I went into a little closet like this at my job. And I just sat in there and, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, I did. I asked if if they've ever lied. And and she put it on speaker and they both said, yeah, we've lied. Wow. And I asked if they've stolen. And they they said, yeah, so we're, you know, we're thieves and we're liars. And, And then they started crying on the phone. And I'm like... Yeah. You know, just does this bother you? You know, would you go to hell? I did the exact thing that they said there, and and uh, so they pulled over to the side of the road. They were in a gravel road right around our church here somewhere, and and uh, we talked for thirty minutes, and they prayed to be saved on the phone. Both of them, I had them pray, and uh, so they, and then we met them that uh, evening. Angie and I did, and we. Uh, we did get them some gas for their car and helped them a little bit that way too. But fantastic! Anyway, it was it was really special. So that happened this week. <laughs> well, that thanks for sharing. I mean, I know Steve and I um, have went out uh, many many times and witnessed together, and I've seen him use Way of the Master, and I know that it it changed my ability to witness. I mean, it it was always a fearful thing for me, and it and it still is. You know, that's why. We need to use the the tools that the Lord gives us, like the way of the Master. It's His way, right? And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So we need to be able to use those skills to cultivate overcoming, cultivate courage to overcome the fears that we face, right? And we can do that, and we can do it together. I mean, there's a lot of work in this workbook, but it's it's really... to me, I think, I don't know what you think, Steve, but it's just like uh, discipleship in a lot of ways. It's like it teaches us. We, it's like group discipleship. I mean, it's not one-on-one, but we do the exercises that help to cultivate the things that we need, a changed heart, a preparedness, uh, a purposeful um, engagement or intent to share the gospel. So it's really cool. How many in here, I want to just ask, how many in here want to have your heart changed? Right? All of us, I'm sure. That's why we're, why we're here. So, I mean, the fears and those things, God will change that if we just do the work and begin to pray for it and ask for it. The Holy Spirit, I mean, he does everything. I've seen it time and time again. And I'm sure you you saw it the other day. Yeah, just open door. It's just a, a divine appointment. It's like they're almost asking, but they don't know what to ask for. Yeah. 
and God just, the Holy Spirit just orchestrates it. So it's really cool. So I passed out some index cards and some envelopes. This is one of the things, and we did it, I know last time we went through the journey home Steve's had in the Lightwalkers class, we did this, and it's really cool to write down on this index card, if you'll take it out right now, and just write down and, um, uh, let's see, where where is it? Write down, this is like a letter or a statement to God at the very beginning, okay? We all make statements at the beginning of our, whatever, our walk with God. And, but it, we see that it's God. Is there any more cards? Um, yeah, there should be. Well, I didn't want to open this pack because I oh, Yeah, there they are. They got, they got Just some. open the other pack early. Oh, okay, yeah. So if you will, if you'll write down a little a statement, not a, not a long letter, but it, that's why I got index cards. But you know something like this. I'll give you an example, like they give. It's God. These are my hopes and my desires for this course. Remember Psalm thirty-seven four. Delight thyself also in the Lord. That's what we're learning to do. And and it says, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Right? Because he changes our heart to become more like his. And evangelism is the heartbeat of God. Right? That's how he builds his kingdom. He wants to use us and work through us. So if you'll write down your hopes and desires, write a few of them for this course and what you want to get out of. Um... Write down what you're afraid of, and this is what you're hoping that the course or the way the master will do for you. Okay, those two basic things. Write down, you know, your hopes and desires that you want to accomplish through this course. And then write down what your fears are and that you're hoping God will help you to overcome. And basically, just write down what you want to see God do in your life over these next 8 to 10 weeks through these lessons. And then seal it in the envelope and write your name on it, pass them in, Nobody's going to read it, but at the end of the course, we'll give them back, and you open it up, and it's like a treasure chest, because you see all the gifts and the things that God does in your heart, and it's really amazing. So we don't get graded on it? No. Nobody's going to read, nobody's going to read it. I know. I've just been It's going to be returned to you at the end of the course, so it, it really shows you some things. It's pretty eye-opening. You see how God answers your prayers, and He, if you expect those things to happen, God will begin to change your heart because we walk we walk by faith right we walk by the faith of of god we we walk by his power and when we put faith into it and put action to it god begins to work it out in our heart and change us okay so it's pretty cool it's pretty cool so just um I'll give you guys a few minutes to finish. Did everybody get one? Did you get a card? Yeah. Cool. Outside of the car or the envelope? Yes, so that way it, it'll be unopened, but that way we can hand it back at the end of the course. Yeah. yeah. 
So just a point to ponder as you're finishing up, uh, as we watch this video, um, the, the point to ponder, I almost should do it afterwards, but I want you, you know, God talks about this in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. And it's a great story because you know what? To cultivate a heart for the lost, we have to know what what's waiting on the other side for us if we don't receive salvation, right? And the, and the lost need to know that. And nobody wants to talk about hell or even think about it nowadays, right? But that doesn't make it any less real. You know, Jesus. well, Jesus and the Bible talked about hell, what, about four times as many times? Or? 10% of his teaching dealt with hell. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's a lot. Just on the subject of hell itself. And this is really great because in Luke chapter 16, he gives a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, he said, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was... No, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the beginning. It's down in... Where is it? Where does it start, Jim? Oh, mm-hmm. verse 19. Okay, there was a certain rich man. It starts off again. Uh, a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Okay, he was rich and he was part of the elite group. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. I mean, this this was a beggar. He was down on his luck. I mean, he, you know, he was there every day. He was very, very poor. And so he was begging for bread, and he he must have been sick. He had sores. The dogs were licking it. And he came to pass that the beggar died. And he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried there. Okay? Into Abraham's bosom. So I want to... Try to real quick. I'm not a very good drawer. Shouldn't even probably attempt this. You want to draw it? Okay. Okay. You have this this two compartments in hell, right? This is hell. And he said, on one side, he said, where was I? And and in hell, it says, he lift up his eyes. That's a very important um, term in the Bible, to lift up your eyes. It means, when God says lift up your eyes, it means look to him, get his perspective. It's like he takes you up over all your circumstances where you are. That's what it means to lift up your eyes. It's to get the heavenly or God's perspective, right? And it says that he, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. This is the rich man, okay? And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, okay? So let me explain this. Um, This side of hell is called Abraham's bosom. In the Old Testament, it it was called Abraham's bosom. Okay, you know what a bosom is, right? It's like right in the middle. It's like right below your heart. Um, So Lazarus was on this side. And on this side was the rich man. Okay, and this is the torment side. This is the torment side. And right here, as we see, it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, right? Send him from here to here across this great expanse. He says, send him... 
that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. I mean, hellfire is so strong and it's there's so much torment. There's many other places that talk about hell and how you know people are there without appendages. They're just like a worm and they can't move. They can't fight off anything. They're just tormented. Isn't that kind of a picture of uh, what was outside the dung gate where they burnt all their refuge? Yeah. What they call that? What was the name of that? Uh, the Dungate. No. Yeah. Oh, Gehenna. Yeah, Gehenna. Huh? Gehenna. The, yeah. Is it Gehenna? No, yeah. So yeah, just like we looked at Friday night, it's it's a type of that the Dungate of the city. But the he asked for the rich man asked for Abraham to send over Lazarus because he was in hell's flames and torment, right? Those aren't very good flames, but you get the idea. And he cried, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, right? That's what everybody cries in hell. Have mercy upon me, okay? But it doesn't do any good because he says, and he's, and, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth all thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented right you know the, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27 that it's appointed unto every man once to die and then the judgment right and God's judgment for sinners that don't receive the knowledge of the truth, they don't receive God's Son, Jesus Christ, into their heart, is to go down the same place with the rich man. And there's, there's no coming back. Because look what he says. And, and besides all of this, he says, between you there is a great gulf fixed. This is the great gulf. Right? It's so much of an expanse. And he said it's fixed. Right? And it's fixed in their condition. Right? They're fixed. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. You go one place or the other. Now, now this, now they took Abraham's bosom, and Jesus took it when he rose again from the dead, and took it to, he took it to the third heaven. He took it to the throne of God, right? And that's where he takes us also. But there's one or two places, and what decides that, the judgment is, Receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's why we do this, because hell is so very real. And as we pray, I just ask, as you pray, you know, think of these things that God would cultivate. I know we all have family members. We have friends. And even even your enemies. You wouldn't want your enemy to go there. So... We need to pray that God would cultivate within us a, a very real heartbeat for the lost to be saved. You know, because we are, we're soul warners, not soul winners, like we talked about last week, right? We need to warn them of the dangers. That's our job. That's what Jesus did. So as we go through the way of the Master, think of that and pray on this, and we'll cultivate, hopefully, a heart to see things the way God sees them. So, I guess we're going to play the video now. Question. question. So, uh, and part of it, it says something about it's better for a man to have never known the gospel than to have known it and turned his back on it. It's like paraphrased or whatever, but what does that mean? Uh, it says something about a millstone being hung from his neck, I think. Yeah. This is yeah. 35 minutes. I don't want to run late, but huh. let's talk about that a little bit. Maybe next time. That would be good. Yeah. Let's hold off. Okay. You ready, Pat? Sure.
But there's a problem, though. Let me tell you what it is. Bill Bright, in his book, The Coming Revival, said that only 2% of Christians in America share their faith regularly with others. Only 2%. It seems that the vast majority of the body of Christ are either locked in worship and don't care about the cries of the ungodly or their faith, or they don't know what to say, and therefore they don't share their faith. But that's like that firefighter saying, I just didn't know how to rescue those people. If he was a firefighter, he should have studied and learned how to climb a ladder and rescue people. And that's what we need to do as Christians. Oswald J. Smith said, All my friends were loaded down with countless church activities, while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. Here's the point. If you're not sharing your faith, if you're not seeking the lost and obeying the scriptures to save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, if you don't have enough concern for them to do that, then you are that firefighter. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if we are merely drawing near to him with our lip service, but remaining far from him in our hearts, refusing to do those things he's told us to do, then he is not our Lord. And he will distance himself from us on the day of judgment, despite our sacrifice of praise. We'll cry out to him, Lord, Lord, and he will say to us, depart from me, I never knew you. What sentence did you give that firefighter? Did you give him two years, 20 years? Life sentence? Capital punishment? Are you and I honest enough to judge ourselves by the same standard? Think of the fate of that family. Think of his dreadful neglect of duty. He was no firefighter. He was a Judas. He was a traitor. Their blood was on his hands. Now think of those people you know who aren't saved. A co-worker, your mother, your father, a spouse, your children, and think of their terrible fate. Now think of our neglect of duty. Charles H. Spurgeon said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Listen to these sobering words. Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. What do you think happens after someone dies? I don't know. Do you think there's a heaven and hell? I don't know. Do you ever think about life and death? All the time. Um, some form of afterlife. What form? I, I really don't know. Do you believe in heaven and hell? Yes. Heaven is here and hell is here. So when someone dies, do they go to heaven or hell? No. So there's no hope of an afterlife? I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in that. The afterlife is a heart, the feeling of love that we have for people or that we leave behind. All the good things that we do for everybody in the world. The good thing. I think that so to heaven, I would go to heaven. You think you'd go to heaven? Yes, I do, because I'm a very good person. I've done a lot of good things. I try to help everybody. I try to do a good deed every day. What's the other side? Death. As opposed to not dying? Yeah, life. Oh, oh gosh. I think maybe you, uh, I don't know. I think it's like, I do you ever think about it? Yeah, I do, actually. I talked to my friend about it, and I think basically, I don't know, but my best guess would be that maybe you you start something up. You start out, you might not know exactly what's going on. Heaven. Darkness. I don't know yet. I'm trying to figure it out. Okay, what do you think happens on the other side? When someone dies, what's on the other side? Uh, lots of lights. Lots of lights? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, that's a trivial question. I mean, people believe a lot of different things. Some people believe you get more enlightened. I mean, some people might go, might go to heaven. People might go to hell. Or you might come back reincarnated. You might come back as a tree. See, so what? As a tree. What's that? Tree? There's a tree right here. This might have been Billy right here. When someone dies, what's on the other side? I believe nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I think when you're dead, game's over, and that's all there is to it. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably, you know, a lot of answers, and probably you come back again. You guys believe in heaven? Yeah. You believe in hell? Yeah. I believe that we're on, we're at the present time, we're in hell, and when you die, you just go to heaven. 
Oh, we're in hell. Yeah. Are you having a good time in life? It's cool. You know, it could be better. Yeah. Is it cool? It's, it's all right. Yeah. Well, it's not hell, then, is it, if you have a good time? Whoever said hell was a bad place. Oh, so hell is like kind of it's, a lightweight heaven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mystery. Are you making this up as you go along? Pretty much. I believe that if you're a good person, then you will go to heaven. Are you a good person? Yes, I am. Have you lied? Yes, so that doesn't make me a terrible person. Have you stolen in your life anything at all? Yes. So you're a lying thief? Well, I'm a lying thief, but that doesn't make me a killer or a murderer. Have you ever hated anybody? Yes. The Bible says whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Have you ever looked with lust? Yes. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes. As far as the day that judgment calls, I think I'll face him and tell him. If there's a guy, say, you know, face him and... Talk to him about it. I mean, God's supposed to be your friend, right? Listen to this letter written by an unsaved friend. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you by day and never did you show the way. You knew the Savior in truth and glory, but never did you tell his story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand before eternal hell. Because of heaven's glory, you did not tell. Don't let that happen to those you love. Yeah. Go to them. Seek and save the lost the way Jesus did. There's only a certain amount of time left. Perhaps you, like many others, are praying for revival. And that's good. But if we pray for revival and fail to share our faith, if we relegate revival to a sovereign move of God, this, in essence, is what we're saying. God, we know your word says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, but we'll stay here and pray. We know the gospel is the power of God to salvation, but we'll stay here and pray. Because it sure is easier to talk to God about men than to talk to men about God. We must put legs to our prayers. Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. If we love people, we must do something C.T. Studd said, We Christians too often substitute prayer for playing the game. Prayer is good, but when used as a substitute for obedience, it is nothing but a blatant hypocrisy, a despicable Phariseeism. To your knees, man, and to your Bible. Decide at once. Don't hedge. Time flies. Cease your insults to God. Quit consulting flesh and blood. Stop your lame, lying, and cowardly excuses. Enlist. Think of the moon. The moon is just a ball of dirt that God has placed into the sky and it reflects the light of the sun into this dark earth. Well, the church is kind of like the moon. We're just dirt that God has exalted and we reflect the light of the glorious gospel into this dark earth. But the moon does more than just reflect light. It actually governs the tides of the earth. God has given the church the ability under his hand to govern the tides of revival. A.W. Pink said, It's true that many are praying for worldwide revival, but it would be more timely and more scriptural for prayer to be made to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up and thrust forth laborers who would fearlessly and faithfully preach those truths which are calculated to bring about a revival. And that's what we're trying to do through this program, The Way of the Master, is to give you those truths which are calculated to bring about a revival through the power of God, raising up true and faithful laborers who will go out into his harvest. So please, if you're a Christian, whether you're a pastor or a bookstore owner, a mother, a father, a student, commit yourself to the Lord. Equip yourself. Learn how to share your faith effectively. And please, consider committing to watching this program so that we can help you to become a true and faithful laborer. Learning to share your faith effectively, biblically, the way Jesus did.
Santa Monica, California, the Third Street Promenade, and all these people are here shopping. And they're hanging out, sitting on park benches, enjoying themselves. It's a perfect spot to meet with people and talk with them about the things of eternity. Sounds a little crazy, but you watch and see how friendly people can be and how much they appreciate someone to take the time to talk to them about important things. One of the first things Jesus said to his disciples was, Come after me, I'll make you become fishers of men. And the principle of fishing is that you go to the fish. You don't wait for the fish to come to you. They may jump with you a little, but it's very unlikely. <laughs> so every single Christian should have his own fishing spot. And of course, we, we fish to try and reach our friends and family. But this is strangers, where Jesus said, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every preacher. You know, I thank God the disciples didn't stay in the upper room and just worship God and, and hope that people would come to visit. They went into all the world and preached the gospel to every creature. Thank you. 
can you imagine if if I was sleeping in my house, I woke up in the middle of the night and realized that one of my neighbor's houses was on fire. I, I, I got up, I put on my shoes, I ran over to their house, and I, I, I suddenly was concerned, oh, I don't want to offend them. Uh, so I gently knocked on the door and said, excuse me, uh, I just want you to know that uh, my name is Kirk, and, and uh, I really care about you, and uh, you might want to follow me over to my house. Not that there's anything wrong with your house, and I don't mean to alarm you, but uh, my house is really comfortable. You might like it over there a whole lot better, but no pressure, whatever feels right for you. How would that be? That, that, does, that doesn't make sense. No. no! If someone's house is on fire, you would rush over there with every ounce of energy you've got, you bang on their door, you want to alarm them, you want to awaken them. Right. You want them to become fearful. You would knock on a window, you'd even smash a window, even pull them out because you're concerned for them. Absolutely. You love them. So how are we going to play that to evangelism? Run down the street screaming, Repent, repent, you're going to hell. Right, we can't do that. People will think we're lunatics if we do it that way. It probably would be. Right. And that's exactly what we are going to teach you how to do. How to share your faith effectively and biblically. To be able to reason with people. Learn to circumnavigate or go around the person's intellect, the place of argument, and speak directly to their conscience. To, to, the, to the place of the knowledge of right and wrong. That's what Jesus did, and it's incredibly powerful and effective. And we're going to teach Christians how to prove God's existence. I mean, you can prove God biblically, scientifically, without even pointing to the Scriptures, without even mentioning faith. We're going to teach people how to do that so we no longer need to feel intimidated by so-called intellectualism. Christians are fearful to share their faith, and that's understandable. They don't feel equipped. You arm any soldier with a feather duster and push him into the heat of modern warfare, he's not going to be very courageous. But you give him state-of-the-art weapons, and those weapons will give him courage. And what we want to share with you is what Charles Spurgeon called our greatest auxiliary, our greatest weapon. We want to teach you how to circumnavigate that place of argument. That means that Uncle Arthur, who's always antagonistic toward Christianity at Thanksgiving table, can now be reached with the gospel because you're not going to go for his intellect, the place of argument, but you're going to speak directly to his conscience. Do you go to be a way to share your faith with others? Um, yeah, I try. I mean, it's, I mean, this world's a difficult world, and it's, it's hard to approach people knowing how to approach people and, like, the right things to say because you don't want to come off too strong and people, you know, turn against it even more. So, I mean, to me, I feel like it's better to form a friendship with someone, and then when you feel comfortable enough, you can talk about your faith with them and stuff, but there's a right time to say everything, and... I think that just to come off and say, you know, stuff kind of off guard to people can, you know, put up their guard against you and be defensive. So I think it's just, it's good to build that relationship and then just tell them just how wonderful God is, just the best plan for your life and always there for you. And yeah, <laughs> if I knew that tomorrow something horrible is going to happen, I would probably talk about eternity and, and heaven and you know, because I just lost um, a really close friend in a car accident, and um, and so like now, no one's guaranteed another day on this earth, and so. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's good to think like this because regarding relationship evangelism, I used to think, man. You've got to build a relationship with someone before you can talk about their eternal salvation. But you know I can build a relationship with someone in three minutes. Yeah. If I care about their eternal destiny, I know they could be snatched into eternity tomorrow. So now when I meet someone, I try my best to be loving and nice and yeah. kind. And I say, God, give me courage. And I swing to the things of God. I say, have you had a Christian background? Because I know they could be dead tomorrow. Yeah. And I can't wait till next year to build that relationship, you know? And, and that's like what, I mean, through losing him has taught me just that we aren't guaranteed another day on this earth. And that, you know, tomorrow we could all die. Could all die. And then it, it's, we just can't procrastinate anymore. I mean, we just put it off like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, I'll, you know, I'll talk to him about it next week or something. Or, I mean, but we can't. We don't know if we'll ever have that chance. And if, if my brother and I were talking about if our friend Mike, who, who passed away, hadn't been a Christian, 
I mean, we would feel so guilty after knowing him for eight years and never, you know, leading him to the Lord and like just knowing that, it, you know, God was opening a path for us to help him and if we hadn't have done it. But I mean, luckily he was a Christian. And Think so. of your non-Christian friends now that you've built a relationship with. Yeah. You haven't spoken to because you know what I found? The longer you leave it, the harder it gets. Yeah. You know, it becomes distant. So now I've got to say to myself, why am I holding back? And it's because I'm afraid of rejection. I'm, af- I'm afraid of offending that person. Yeah. And yet they could be snatched into eternity and gone forever. And so it's important to think, okay, today is the day of salvation. God used me today as a witness for you. And I think also it can be discouraging sometimes when you do try with people that are just, just happen to be really stubborn people that just think what they think and they, you know, it will have no part of it. And it's so hard because it, it breaks my heart because I'm like, you know, I love you so much, but I'm going to spend eternity without you, you know? And, and where's that person going to go to? They die without Christ if they die in their sins. To hell. <laughs> right now you're feeling a bit convicted because maybe you haven't been sharing your faith as much as you know you should. Maybe there was a time in your life when you were excited about sharing the gospel. But as time went on you became discouraged because things didn't go so well. Maybe you stuck your foot in your mouth. Maybe someone was offended by the way you said something. Or you felt foolish more than once for not having an answer to their questions. Maybe you've even seen a relationship go sour because you brought up the things of God. And so your faith has become more personal to you now. It's simply a private thing, and you've resigned yourself to simply living the life. But I know there's probably something deep inside of you, like there is with me, that says, I care about people, and I don't want them to go to hell. If only I could find the words and the ability to reach them. In this course, we're going to teach you how to reach them. We're going to teach you how to conquer your fears. We're going to show you how to address someone's conscience, thus avoiding 99% of all arguments. And we're going to put tools into your hands that will give you great courage. We're also going to role play. And then we're going to go out onto the streets and you watch us with hidden cameras as we witness to atheists, gang members, family members, cult members, religious hypocrites and then we're going to ask you to join us and begin sharing your faith and you're not only going to be able to do this confidently you're going to be able to do it biblically what it's done for me as a christian is it has i I think i'll stop there it's all through him i think we all seen this uh the other time but this was it had a little bit of uh, on the front end it had some things and I didn't know if Pat wanted to say anything or not but uh, oh sorry Steve about uh, you know about waiting do you know how many deathbed confessions are in the Bible Uh, one there's really only one that we know of it was the thief on the cross he was getting ready to die and he asked the Lord to remember him when he came into his kingdom and so there is one, but there, there's really only one, and and so uh, I know uh, my own dad is probably not saved, and, and I think about this thing, so um, it's heavy. So let's get out and do it, and yeah. uh, make sure we give Pat our envelopes. So yeah, if you could pass those in. Pat, the other thing I just wanted to say. Um, as we do this, we're doing it together, and it's it's going to change your heart if you like they say if you work it. So, could you do chapter one and do the exercises this week? That's the the only thing that's going to really change our hearts. And I know over COVID, I really was convicted about not sharing the gospel more. I did it in life issues and at church and every once in a while, but it really made me see how close the end could be and how much people are thinking about it too. So it made me see how selfish I really had been. And that's my prayer for this course, that God will change my heart so that I will do it every day because people are dying and going to hell. And I hope that's your desire too. So as we close, um, could
could we pray and then next week we'll come back together and, and share you know more experiences try hey if if you pray for God to give you an open door he will he will okay so um, do you want to pray Kevin sure okay Thank you, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, for allowing us to meet here together this morning. You say wherever two or more meet, you're in the midst thereof. Just know that you're always uh, available to come sit with us and sup with us, Lord. I just uh, ask as we go about this week that uh, you give us a, a fervent, uh, you know, zealousy to, to go out and, and share the gospel and, and just, uh, you know, practice and and even get in front of the mirror, you know, uh, allow us to share the gospel with ourselves uh, in our free time. Uh, that way we uh, know how we look when we do it. I just, uh, I, I ask that uh, we be like a lighthouse on top of a hill, you know, just don't let us uh, hide that light that uh, is reflected from you to us, to the world. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys very much. Let's go out this week and let's let's expect a miracle and let's pray for it, okay? Thank you. Thank you. You hold it. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to take it off a hold. Got to move this down a shade. Yeah, you can stop.